0: Well, today is the second week in our series, Stories from Jesus, and I really love what we're talking about in this series because it focuses on specifically on the things that Jesus taught in the Gospels. And last week, if you are with us, we began by looking at what is arguably Jesus' most famous and his most familiar story, the story of the prodigal son. And so today, as we continue, we're gonna look at another story that is almost equally as famous. In fact, it's one of the things that Jesus said that people who don't follow Jesus will sometimes quote. You might have said this to someone, or someone may have said this to you recently, and if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're not a church person, one of the things that you probably hate about church people is what Jesus directly addresses in this story, because this is probably your biggest issue with the people who call themselves Christians. This may be your biggest issue with church people, and it's one of the things that Jesus said that perhaps you often quote. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says this. He says, do you? not judge right so there you go and every single one of us we know what it feels like to be judged right it feels horrible doesn't it i mean sometimes it's subtle somebody looks at you and you can see them out of the corner of your eye and and you can kind of you know see them looking at you up and down and and you know they're they're judging you right they've judged your money or they've judged your car they've judged your clothes, maybe they've judged your hair, or they've judged your tattoos, or maybe they've judged your lack of tattoos, right? You feel like what they did is this kind of quick, you know, little scans and just, you know, judged, right? And they don't say anything, but but you can just, you can feel it, right? You've been you've been judged. It's a horrible, horrible feeling. Maybe you've been judged because of the way that you parent your children. Right, your in-laws come over and you know what they're thinking, right? This is not the way that we raised our kids. And so you actually feel judged by the way that you're raising your very own children. One of the worst parts about feeling judged is that you never get to present your side, do you? You don't get to say, hey, I saw that look. Okay, so let me, let me explain. Let me give you the whole picture. Because see, if you knew the whole story, you would cut me some slack. And perhaps the most interesting part of feeling judged is that we never, ever respond to the person judging us by saying, right, you know what? You have made me feel so little and so small, right? I think I'll change, right? I think I'll be more like you, right? Judging me doesn't change me. It doesn't make me want to be a better person. And it definitely doesn't make me want to be like the person who's judging me. It makes me want to run in the opposite direction, doesn't it? And see, the truth is all of us have been in both of these positions, haven't we? We've been the judge, We've been the one with the opinion, and sometimes we say something. But most of the time, we just look at the person, and we talk to our friends, and we say things like, can you believe they did that? Right? Can you believe they said that? Now, I'm not going to talk to them about it because I don't want to be judgmental. So I'm just going to talk to my friends about this person that we're all collectively judging. Right? It's a prayer request. Let's just, let's just pray for them. Right? All of us have been in both places as the judger and the judgee. And Jesus addresses this tension that all of us have felt and experienced. And there is a lot of tension here because all of us have heard, do not judge. But at the same time, there's also people and situations that need to be confronted. So what do we do with that? And part of the reason why this is so important is because when it's handled incorrectly, it can be so incredibly destructive, right? This can be destructive in relationships. It can be so destructive in a marriage. It can be destructive between parents and their kids. It can be destructive in a friendship. It's certainly destructive in society. In fact, in our world and in our country, the the, the, the fact that historically, many people who call themselves Christians haven't gotten this right is why there's so many people in our world right now who feel ostracized and rejected by the church because they feel judged by the church. And the reason they feel judged is because, you know, we can point to verses that prove that we are right. But see, the problem, as we said before, and as we all know, when you judge somebody, they don't move in your direction. And so for years, the message of the church has been that this group needs to stop and that group needs to change. And because there are so many people who call themselves Christians that don't, in fact, understand what Jesus taught about judging, nobody's changing. Right? Instead, they're just running in the opposite direction like we all do when we feel judged by somebody else. Right? So now that I have everyone's attention, let's look at what Jesus says because it's in this section of Scripture that Jesus says, do not judge. Right? So we didn't just make that up. It's in here. But as we're going to discover, this is just the opening line of a story that Jesus told to help us understand when do you judge and when do you not judge? When is judging a sin and when is it necessary? And how do you confront someone when they need to be confronted without being judgmental? Right. This is huge in marriage. This is huge in parenting. This is huge in relationships as well as in culture and society. I mean, this is a massive topic and Jesus begins this discussion in his signature way of telling a story. And listen, if you're new to church or you're new to the Bible or new to hearing Jesus or reading Jesus, then the truth is the way that Jesus speaks can be challenging because Jesus not only told stories, but he was the master storyteller. And he created stories that were so big and so challenging. And then what he would do is he would just kind of let those stories just kind of sit and, and let his audience you know, struggle with them. And so in his characteristic way, Jesus starts this story by creating enormous tension. And then in the verses that follow, he leads us in a conversation about this great big topic of judging. And see, as we read this, and as we talk about this subject today, the challenge for for all of us to recognize is that if the church had gotten this right a generation or maybe two generations ago, then perhaps the church in America would be in a far different place than it is today. And maybe you, or maybe your family would not have left the church in the first place. And I am so glad that you are with us today because we want to get this right. This is how Jesus sets up this famous story, Matthew chapter seven, verse one. He says, do not judge, right? And if that's all we had, then we could have a great big discussion about what does this mean and how if you judge me, then you know, you've disobeyed Jesus. But Jesus is just getting started. He says, do not judge, which means to condemn based on your opinion. Or he says, you too will be judged. Which makes us ask the question, judged by who? By God? By the people that that we're judging? And see, Jesus never really answers that question. Now, when I was talking to Otto about this story earlier this week, she said that when she works with people in her practice that struggle with judging others, she said that from her experience, judging others often results in us judging ourselves. It results in anxiety and depression and a lack of confidence. And see Jesus never answers that part of the question for us that's not his point he just warns us that if we spend our time judging other people we will be judged verse 2 for, or in other words this is the explanation why for in the same way you judge others you will be judged and with the measure you use it will be measured or the amount or the weight of judgment will be measured to you. Which makes some of us want to stop and say, but, but wait a minute, Jesus, because listen, I'm right. And see, Jesus isn't disputing that. He's just simply saying, heads up, right? Don't judge unless you go into this understanding that the way you judge, you will be judged. And Jesus' point is not don't ever form an opinion about something. That becomes really clear to us in just a few moments. And his point is not that there are no people in the world with anything wrong in their lives that need to be addressed. That's not what Jesus is saying. In fact, this is Jesus' kind of subtle way of saying, I want you to apply the golden rule to your judgment. I want you to judge others the way that you would have them judge you. I want you to judge others the way that you want to be judged by others. And I want you to judge others the way that you want your heavenly Father to judge you. And see, I do know how I want others to judge me. I know how I want God to judge me. When God judges me, I want him to take everything into consideration. What I had, what I didn't have. What happened to me in middle school and high school and why I was so insecure and why I was always afraid of being left out and not being liked and because of my fear, I always struggled to fit in. And I wasn't athletic or musical or artistic and so that really didn't give me a whole lot of options. And so I had this tendency to try to go and fit in with people that were making bad decisions, right? In other words, when I get judged, I want you to take everything into consideration, right? Don't, don't you? Because see, if you let me talk long enough, Jesus is going to come along and he's going to put his arm around me and say, okay, poor Joe, right? No wonder you've got so many issues, right? No wonder you've made some bad choices. You didn't even have a chance. We don't, we don't need to judge him. He he had so many things in his life to overcome. It's amazing that he's as semi-functional as he is. Like welcome to the kingdom, right? Isn't that how you want to be judged? See, I want a lot of slack and I want the people who judge me to say, well, you know what? He is really messed up in that area, but listen, there's probably some things that we don't know. There's probably another side to the story. There's probably issues that we haven't factored in. There's probably experiences that we aren't aware of. So let's not be too hard on him because we don't know the whole story. That's how I want to be judged. And so Jesus says, okay. Then you judge others the way that you want others to judge you. But see, Jesus isn't through. Now, he's the one who's going to ask the question in verse 3 Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? And see, this is Jesus' symbolic way of recognizing yes, they do have a problem, right? They do have an issue. But why do you care? I mean, why? Does it matter to you? Why do you feel that you need to form an opinion about the issues in that other person's life? And see, if we just paused there for a moment and we honestly asked ourselves that question for just 10 minutes, for many of us, this could be a truly defining moment. What is it in me that drives me to constantly form opinions and judgments about other people. What is it in me, not them, what is it in me that makes me feel the necessity to point out the speck in their eye? Why do I care? Why does their sin make me feel what I feel? Right, again, Jesus continues. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and you pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? In other words, Joe, why are you so motivated to look at their problems and not your own? And see, I I do know the answer to that. What problems? I don't have any problems. I mean, look at them. They're the ones who have problems and see, I'm so insightful and my heart is so clear and I'm able to see problems they can't even see. I have more clarity about them than they have about them. But Jesus says, no, no, you don't. Why are we so interested in the sawdust in their eye when we ignore and we refuse to deal with the plank in our own eye? And see, what Jesus is teaching us is truly transformational if we will just kind of drop our defenses and allow what he is saying to settle in. Here's what Jesus is helping us to see. We're going to read this in just a minute. When I see something in you that bothers me, I need to look in the mirror and stop looking at you. Right, when I see something in you that causes me to want to go down the road of judging you, sizing you up, and writing you off, or talking to other people about you, as soon as I feel that, that should alert in me the response of, huh, I wonder what it is that God wants to deal with in my life. What is it about them that reflects something about me that I need to deal with in my own life? And listen to what Jesus says next in verse 4. He says, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, right? Let me take the itty bitty speck out of your eye when all the time, Jesus says, there is a plank in your own eye. In other words, in those moments when we are so sure the issue is all theirs, in those moments when our self-righteousness rises up, in that moment, Jesus says, I want you to pause because I want you to see in them something that could very well be a reflection of what your heavenly father sees in you. And see, when you hear me say that, if there's something inside of you that kind of gets a little upset because you're thinking, okay, if the whole point of this message is that we're just supposed to ignore all the bad in the world and all the sin in the world and all the injustice in the world and all the unrighteousness in society and just decide that it's all about me and it's all my fault, Right? If that's the point, then forget it. Right? If that's what you're thinking right now, that's not what I'm saying and that's not where we're going. What Jesus is telling us is that our response, right, our first response to the stuff that we see in other people that makes us angry, our first response should not be to immediately go after the speck we see in their eyes, but instead to turn and look in the mirror and ask ourselves the question, what is it about them that is somehow reflected in me or in my life? And see if that could become our first response to the sin that we see in other people, we would be better off. And as Jesus is about to tell us, they would be better off as well. But before that, Jesus says something very, very strong in verse five. He says, you hypocrite. And you know what a hypocrite is in this context? A hypocrite is a person who judges someone else without first looking in the mirror. A hypocrite is someone that's more interested in and more preoccupied with fixing other people than fixing themselves. It's when someone refuses to see what's wrong with themselves, but is happy to look at what's wrong with everybody else. And Jesus says, I'm not denying that there's a problem. I'm not denying, in fact, that something needs to be done. He's saying that as his followers, though, in those situations... He wants our first response to be for us to look in the mirror and for me to address what's wrong with me before I start reaching for you. And if we're unwilling to do that, then Jesus says, not me, Jesus says, there is in fact a word for that, hypocrite. Now, why is Jesus being so harsh, right? This is so important. Jesus understands that when we refuse to look in the mirror we lose our leverage with the very people who in fact need us the most. This is what has happened in our culture and it can happen between fathers and sons. It can happen between mothers and daughters. It can happen between husbands and wives. It happens between bosses and employees. It can happen anywhere and when it happens, it often drives the people that we love the most deeper and deeper into destructive or self-destructive behavior because see, the problem with self-righteousness is that self-righteousness always gets in the way of love. But self-awareness paves the way to the kind of love Jesus wants us to exhibit to one another, and that's why Jesus says there is a solution for this. There is, in fact, a way to prevent this. Verse 5 First, Jesus says. Now, why does Jesus say first? Because, see, there is also a second. This is so important. First, he says, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye and just as it's critical to ask ourselves the question what is it in them that may be a reflection of what God sees in me if all we do is the first if all we do is see our own lumber right then we miss what Jesus is teaching us in the story because following Jesus never ends with now i'm a better person right now i'm better off and now i'm a better person because i've gotten the plank of my own out of my own eye right thanks jesus following Jesus never ends with what's in it for me Because even though Jesus starts the story by getting us to ask the question, am I judging others the way I want to be judged? That's not where he ends. Because there isn't just a first, there's also a second. And at the end of the day, following Jesus is about what God has done in me and what God has done for me, not only for me, but also for the people around me. Because at the center of Jesus' stories, our Jesus teaching. Love one another the way that Jesus has loved us, right? First take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly, you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Because see, the problem with me just minding my own business is that it does nothing to love the person whose business needs minding, right? This is so important. Not judging does not equate to not caring. Not judging does not equate to not acting because love, love forbids me from sizing you up and writing you off. But love also forbids me from sizing you up and walking away. Now, as I read through this this week and as I prepared for this message, it's just so fascinating that this simple story is so deep and there is so much to it. Because in it, Jesus is in fact addressing three different audiences with three different applications. And I don't know which one you're in, but all of us are in at least one. First... There are those of us who tend to size people up and write them off, right? This is self-righteousness, and this is the sin that drove Jesus crazy. And the reason Jesus gets so angry about self-righteousness is because self-righteousness always dumbs down the holiness of God by inflating my own attempt at holiness, right? Let me say it this way. If other people's sin doesn't break your heart, it may be that your heart has never been broken over your own sin because if sin broke our savior's heart then sin should still break his followers hearts as well the second group are those of us who tend to size people up and then walk away and again this is important because this is easy to miss and this is easy to get wrong talking with someone about a sin issue is not insensitive it is what love requires of you Now, it can be done insensitively, and that is sin as well. And that's a big part of what Jesus is teaching us in this story. But you don't see clearly for your sake. See, Jesus says you see clearly for the sake of the people around you because love does not size people up and write them off, and love does not size people up and walk away. The third group are those of us maybe who refuse to listen. Someone has come to you about something in your life and you wrote them off as being judgmental, right? And they said something along the lines of, right, I'm not judging you, I'm, I'm trying to help you. And you didn't budge, you just looked them right in the eye and you said that this is none of your business, but in your heart, you knew they were right. And in your heart, you knew they were onto something and in your heart, you knew something needed to change. And see, my hope for you is that you would just listen because defensiveness, Defensiveness always ensures your past is going to continue to show up in your future. And when someone approaches you in in a situation like this, I'm telling you, it is always awkward. No one does this perfectly. It never happens perfectly. No matter how much you pray, no matter how much you practice and prepare when you confront someone else, it never goes great. And if you've used that imperfection as an excuse, See, listen, I I would just ask that you listen. Because maybe, maybe someone took a big risk to try to love you the way that Jesus loves you and the way that Jesus has loved them. Now, here's what I want us to do today as we wrap up together, because this is one of those topics that impacts all of us and it can quickly bring to mind where we've all fallen short. But see, Jesus' purpose for telling this story wasn't simply for his audience to feel something. It was for us to do something. And if we do this, we will have taken a giant first step towards learning to judge without being judgmental. But even better than that, we will be taking a giant step forward in loving the way our Savior has invited us to love. And so I want to pray for us that God would give us the wisdom to know what to do next, depending which one of these three groups that we're in, because now we know. And some of us, we need to repent. Some of us need to confront, and a whole bunch of us, probably, we need to listen. So let me pray for us today. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending Jesus, and Jesus' this story is just Um, it it is a little too clear, right? It it is a little too practical. Um, Jesus, I think in so many ways, the story is maybe even a little too transparent. And so I would just ask that you would give every single one of us the wisdom, myself included, to understand what you would have us do and that you would give us the courage to actually follow through and do it. And Father, I pray especially for every single one of us who call ourselves followers of your son, that you would forgive us for our self-righteousness, because apart from your grace, we are all condemned and we have no righteousness whatsoever. And yet you gave us grace so that we may be called righteous in Christ. And so Father, I ask that you would show us how to reflect to others the very same grace that Jesus Given to me. Jesus, we pray all of this in your name. Amen.